Come on, if he's been good to you, if he's been good to you, why don't you lift that praise up to the Lord right now? If he's been good to you, if he's opened doors, come on. Has he opened doors for somebody here tonight? Has he done a miracle for you tonight? Has he done a healing? Has he done something in your life tonight? Why don't you give him the praise and the glory that he deserves? The King of kings and the Lord of lords is here. And he is fighting on your behalf. Man, it feels so good to be in the house tonight. It feels so good to be in the house tonight. I'm always honored to be here to to speak to y'all. I uh, never take the opportunity lightly, of course. And you hear me say that a lot, but I mean it. Um, What we're doing right now is important and should never be taken lightly. So I want to give honor to Pastor for allowing me to have this opportunity. I always want to give honor to him. Uh, Biblical covering is good. Having a pastor and submission to your pastor is good. It's good to have a covering. It's good to have a covering, and I'm blessed to be here at Greater Life and to have that man as my covering, a wonderful man of God. Tonight, I want to bring your attention to the second chapter of Mark. I'm going to begin reading from verse number one, and we're going to go all the way to 12. Um, Don't groan because I have to stand the whole time and you get to sit down. So we're going to make it. We're going to make through it. We're going to make it through it together. So here we go. Mark chapter two. Um, If you've got it, say amen. If you don't, sorry, you lost your chance. Starting with verse number one, it says, And again he entered, and he, speaking of Jesus, entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noise that he was in the house. And straightway many were gathered together, insomuch that there was no room to receive them, no, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. And they came, and they And they came unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when he had broken it up, they let him down on the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, Why doth this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Which, I'm going to pause right there. I mean, little did they know. I mean, in the flesh, right there. Right there before him, all right? But we're going to keep going. We're going to keep going. And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, Why reason ye these things in your hearts? Whether it is easier to say to the sick of the palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise and take up thy bed and walk, but that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins, he saith to the sick of the palsy. Verse number 11 says, I say unto thee, Arise and take up thy bed and go thy way into thine house. And immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed, and they all glorified God, saying, We never saw it on this fashion. When we all say that together, we never saw it on this fashion. Lord, I pray tonight, God, that you would anoint these lips of clay, O God, 
that you would anoint this clay vessel to speak the word that you have given me for this moment to speak this rhema word to your people oh God help me to get the flesh out the way God to speak it the way that you want me to speak it tonight God Lord let the minds be open and their hearts be ready to receive it Jesus in your name in your name in Jesus name amen amen and if you promise to get behind me y'all can be seated tonight all right I heard at least one person say I promise so we're gonna be all right we're gonna be all right so this, this evening, I want to speak to you a little bit about the subject, when normal is not enough. When normal is not enough. So for several years now, and I'm going to talk about something that you've all probably gotten tired of hearing about, but for, for several years now, COVID has controlled our world. It's happened. Whether we like it or not, COVID has controlled our world, and rules and regulations have been put in place in an attempt to eradicate the virus. And as, as they told us early on in the beginning, to slow the curve, um, every time I heard that, I just got more and more, I don't know if... Angry is the word, agitated, frustrated, I don't know. Um, it never sh- seemed to slow any curve. But at any, at any rate, during this time, we have seen the world, and not just the United States, all I mean the whole world, come to a screeching halt. We have seen tragedy strike countries and people around the world, and for some of us, friends and family members. It's, it's hit so close to home for many of us, and as a result, people have called for all kinds of overhauls, over the past year and past couple years, people have called for processes to be overhauled and, and the way that we interact with other people has been called to change. The, the way that we leave our houses, they want to change that. And, and the way that we interact in society, that, that apparently has to change and overhauls to our healthcare system and, and the way that we treat each other. They wanted everything that we have been used to, the, the normal, they wanted all that normal to change and, and I'm sure you've probably heard the term new normal thrown around a lot. If you've heard that, why don't you just raise your hand? Right? We, it's pretty much all of us, right? We, we've heard that terminology been thrown around a lot. And it's what celebrities, politicians, influencers, people of influence, whatever you want to call them, they, ha- they have been calling for this overhaul, and they've been, they've been calling uh, for us to change all these things. And I remember reading an article Uh, At one point, the author wrote that we cannot go back. This is the author's words. He said, we cannot go back to normal. We, the, the normal we are used to, that we have been too busy to realize that our quote unquote normal has not been cutting it. Or even worse, that we have convinced ourselves that we are too powerless to do anything about it. And I'm here tonight to let somebody know that there is something we can do about it. And I'm not just talking about COVID. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about whatever situation is going on in your life. There is something that we can do about it. Just getting back to normal is not the answer. And just doing what is normal is not enough. What we were used to and what we are used to, that, that normal is a place of complacency. That we, and we can't go back to a place of complacency. We can't go back to, to what we think is normal. And we need a radical change. We, we, we need a radically different atmosphere and a radically different approach of doing things. And, and if you know who Charles Robinette is, he talks about being radically apostolic. 
And that is something that I feel we just need to get a grasp on because in the times that we are living in, in the world that we are living in, just doing what is normal and accepted by society is not enough. We have got to get up on our feet and we've got to stand up and shout it from the rooftops. I am unashamedly apostolic. I believe in the one true living God. There is nothing that my God can't do. If you need healing, I'll pray for you right now in the Walmart. I don't care what is going on in your life. You have got to get a boldness about you. We have got to get a boldness about us that says, I am not afraid to be radically different than the norm that the world calls normal. We have to shake off the chains of complacency. We have, those are, they're, they're chains. That's what they are. They are holding us back. Complacency is holding us back from what is really in the will of God for our lives. If you truly want to see revival and you truly want to see God work in your life, you've got to just shake off those chains. You've got to say, Lord, I, I, I don't want to, I don't want to be shackled by this new, this normal. I don't want to be shackled by what I'm used to be doing. Lord, I want what you want for my life. We have to shake off the chains of complacency. And I'm not just talking about the physical world, but I'm talking about the spiritual as well. If you look in Ephesians 6, 10 through 14, it says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers and against rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. It's not just people with titles that we're having to fight. There are principalities of darkness in this world that we are fighting for. We're not fighting against the government. We're not fighting amongst ourselves. We're not fighting amongst ourselves. We're not fighting amongst ourselves. We are fighting against principalities of darkness and there is nothing that the enemy would love more but to put a wedge between us and our brother or our sister in Christ. That is not of God. But verse number 13 says, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore. The important part to that is, to me is in verse number 13, it says, And having done all. After you have done all, Stand. Just doing what we're used to is not doing all. That's not all God has for us. We are limiting ourselves. And we are limiting the church because that's what we feel comfortable doing. That's because that's, that's what we feel. Uh, I, nobody's going to look at me if I, I, if I just act like everybody else. If I just do what I've always done, nobody will know any different. So if we go back to our scripture. Let's go back to our scripture before I get off on something that I shouldn't be. If we go back to our scripture, we find Jesus in the village of Capernaum. And it was there that the scripture says that he was in the house or in, or in a house preaching the word. And so many people had gathered around. I want you to just close your eyes and think about this. So many people had gathered around to see him and hear him preach that there was no more room left in the house. And not only in the house, but at the door of the house as well. There was no way to get in the house to see Jesus. Think about that. Can can you imagine that? Imagine that for this church right now. 
Could you imagine this church filled up with so many people that we had to put people in the prayer room and we had to open those doors up and they can't even see what's happening, but they can hear what's going on in our church. So many people that we have to open the doors to the foyer just to seat people. That was, is what it was like. There were so many people crowded there that they couldn't even see Jesus. They couldn't even imagine what was going on. And it's at this point that the story gets very interesting to me. Four men came to see him, carrying their friend sick with the palsy. And, and I'm very visual. I've got an imagination, and, and I can see it happening right now. They've got four guys. I'm thinking a stretcher. I don't know, right? I'm thinking like like military stretcher. They got four guys. Each one's holding a post, and they are carrying this guy to Jesus. And, 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 and they're just trying to get him close to the master, trying to get him close to the one person they know can heal their friend. And, and I don't know. I don't know how long they walked, but I imagine it was probably for a while. Think about the level of faith that they had to carry their friend, maybe for a long time. I, I, I don't know. Just to get to Jesus. But you see, just prior to this, Jesus had already healed a man of leprosy. And despite Jesus telling him to keep it to himself, he just couldn't contain it within himself. He, he, he couldn't help but to tell everybody else what God had done for him. He, he, he couldn't help but spread the good news of what Jesus had done for him. When the Bible says that he had become so popular this part, uh, speaking of Jesus, that he had become so popular to this point that he couldn't even openly enter into cities. He was so popular that he couldn't even go into a city without throngs of crowds of people just crowding him and wanting to, to, to brush up next to him, wanting them to heal him and touch them and speak to him and, and just hear him speak. But the people found him in desert places, the Bible says. He couldn't get into the cities, but the Bible says the people found him in the desert places. And not even that, it says that people came from every quarter just to be in his presence. That is radical. That is radical. That is not normal. It's not normal for people to wander the desert just to, for the hopes of finding Jesus in the desert places. It's not normal for people to leave their homes just, just, just at the, the, the hopes that they will find him somewhere in the desert places. And I just wish that we would grasp a hold of that. There is so much going on in the world that is the type of radical behavior that we have to get. God, I don't, I don't care what it costs or, or, or how it's going to take me to get there. I just want more of you, God. I want more of you, Jesus. Lord, whatever it costs, I'll look like a nut. I don't care. I just want more of you and who you are. And so they knew that Jesus could heal their friend. They knew that Jesus could heal their friend, but they, they were too late. Right? They couldn't get inside. Too many people had had shown up and they couldn't get to Jesus. They couldn't even get to the door to get his attention. They, they, they couldn't even get to the door to stand up and, 
and peek their head and be like, yo, over here. There were so many people there. And and I want to pause and, and ask you this question. Could you imagine, imagine with me, being that close to your miracle? Imagine being that close to your miracle and not being able to get it. Imagine being that close to Jesus, that close to the comforter, that close to the master and thinking, I've lost, I, I, I don't know what to do. How do I, how do I get my miracle? I, I'm lost. And I believe, I believe that I'm, I'm talking to a few of you tonight. And I don't need to know who you are. Nobody else needs to know who you are. But I believe I'm talking to a group of people tonight. Maybe a couple of you, maybe, maybe a few of you, maybe none of you, I don't know. But I believe there's a couple in the house tonight that you're there. You, you, you're so close to your miracle. And you're so close to, to your answered prayer. But you feel like you just can't get there. You, you, you feel like, God, I, I, I can almost taste it. I, I can almost touch it. I, I know it's right there. And it just feels like it's not coming. You know, there's, there's a man by the name of Verbal Bean, or there was a man by the name of Verbal Bean. And Verbal Bean believed in something called a current versus a memorial prayer. <clears throat> and the youth probably heard this before. I'm sorry, y'all. You hear it again. All right. There's a current, and there was, he, he believed in two types of prayers, current and memorial prayers. And a current prayer was you prayed for something, and boom, right on the spot. God answered that, that for you. Right? That was a current prayer. He, he, he answered it right there in the current moment. Whatever you needed, boom, it was there. Right? He believed in the second thing was a memorial prayer. And, and verbal being likened a memorial prayer into, uh, in his, in, in the way he put it was, it was like putting a suit on layaway. Right? So you want to buy this suit, so you put this suit on layaway. And, and what do you do when you put something on layaway? You keep putting little payments on it, right? You keep putting little payments on it. And, and, and one day, if you make enough payments on that suit, that suit is yours, right? If you want to buy your child a bike for Christmas and you can't quite afford it now, you put that bike on layaway and you keep making payments at it. And, and you make enough payments by the time Christmas rolls around, boom, you got a brand new bike for your kid. And I believe that's where some of us are in the spirit right now. We, we, we feel like we just can't get it. We feel like we're not there, like we, we just don't quite have it yet. But I want to let you know tonight that you're just there in a state, in, in a state of a, a memorial prayer. Don't, don't give up on God. Don't give up on God. My God is too big. And he has proven himself too many times for me to just let go of the promises that God has given me. Some of y'all, God has promised you healing in your body. Keep praying. Keep showing up. Keep showing up. Keep praying. Keep fasting. Keep seeking the face of God. Some of you have been promised for restored families. Keep praying. Keep praying. God hears you. He hasn't forgotten about you. That lost loved one is coming back. That prodigal son is coming back. He hasn't forgotten about his promises. The Bible says that his promises are yea and amen. Everyone needs yes and it is so it is so if he's given you a promise he hasn't forgotten about you there's nothing that he can't do for you every family that needs to be restored if he's promised it to you boom he's gonna do it if if he's promised you healing in your body it's coming just keep praying if you've got a lost loved one keep praying it's happening it's happening you just gotta keep making little deposits 
Keep making little deposits. Don't give up on the faith. Do not give up on God. So if we go back to our, our, our four guys, okay? Let's go back to our text and our four guys. And in my mind, I think after they've realized that, hey, I think we've shown up a little bit too late, uh, maybe, maybe we shouldn't have stayed in, in Eden, eating all that extra food over there at Martha's house. We should have, you know, hurried on up over, right? I think one of them, I think one of them probably looked at the other one and he looked at the other three and he said, guys, hear me out. All right, hear me out here. I know this is a little crazy. I know this is not normal, all right? But what if, hear me, what if we just lower him through the roof, right? Hey, crazy idea, man. What, what if we just drop him through the roof into Jesus' lap? Like, that's the best way I can think of getting him there, all right? And in my mind, that's what I'm seeing. I'm seeing one guy, a spokesman for the group, turn around. I don't even think it was the guy sick of the palsy in, in my mind. I don't even think it was him. I think it was one of his friends that took the time to bring him to Jesus that looked over at the other three and said, hey, I think if we get up on the roof, we can get him to Jesus. All right? And I'm sure the other, pro- the other three probably looked at him like, bro, you crazy. Like, hey, um, have, like, property damage? Like, I'm not really into that. You know, breaking and entering, that sort of thing. Like, I, I'm not really into that right now. Um, and they probably thought he was crazy, but... Maybe he looked at him and said, come on, guys. Uh, Just have a little faith. Just have a little faith. Believe with me for a second. Have a little faith. We we, we can make this work, and and the master can heal our friend. We we just got to get him in his presence. That's all we got to do. We just got to get him in his presence. And so there comes a point where we need to start thinking outside the box. We're, we're, We're living in a different time now. We're not living in the world that was the same in the 40s and 50s. We're not. We're not, we're not living in a world that's even the same in the 90s, in the early 2000s. Everything has rapidly changed so much to where we are today. It's an ever-changing world. And at some point, we just got to get a hold of something radically different from what we've had in the past. We've got to get a hold of something and say, you know, if we want to reach the world around us, I, I, I got to get a little bit radical. If we want to reach our community, I just got to get a little bit radical. If, 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 if we want to have revival and explosive growth, we, we can't just do what we've always been doing and what we've always been used to doing. And that's not me knocking anything, okay? I, I think everything we do is great and it's led of God. But I, I, we just got to get a grasp and go deeper, and he wants to take us deeper, and he wants to take us further, and, and, and we just got to get a hold of something radical. We can't just do what is socially acceptable anymore. It, it isn't going to cut it. Normal prayer isn't going to cut it anymore. Just having a normal prayer life by today's standards is not enough. We, we can't just only pray to God when, when we're blessing, you know, our chicken nuggets at lunch. All right? Praying over Chick-fil-A's and going to cut it. If that's the only prayer you do, all right? We can't just have five minutes of prayer. I, I believe that we've got to get, I, I firmly, I strongly believe in prayer. 
We've got to have something that's deep down inside of us that would, that would make us get on our floor and put our face in the carpet and, and say, God, help me. God, I, and just travail for, for people, travail for our city, travail for our church in our county, travail for our state, for this whole country and for this world. We've, we've got to get to a point where we just, we, we, we can't do what we've always been used to doing. We've got to get there and get something inside of us uh, to where we're willing to lock ourselves up in an attic and pray until God moves on us. We have got to get something radically different in our lives. Normal worship isn't just going to cut it anymore either. We can't just have the same old song and dance. And again, nothing with what we've got now. I think it's amazing. What we've experienced tonight is, is amazing. The presence of God is in the house. And now there's nothing wrong with, with old songs. Don't get me wrong, right? I love the old stuff. And I'll get into it later, but I, I love all the old stuff. I'm an old soul. But, but we have to find a new place of worship. We, 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 we are worshiping the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And, and we shouldn't have to wait for somebody to play our song to praise God. We, we, we can't sit there like a bump on a log and go, man, well, you know, hey, if they play my song, maybe I'd get up and dance a little bit. Hey, hey, maybe if they play that in a different key or, or, or do, or, you know, or do something different, I mean, maybe then I'll go up to the front and worship. That, that's not what it's about. We're not here for you. We're, you're, we're not singing to, to, to make you feel better. We're here to sing and worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Everything we do when we come in here is to glorify Him. Everything we do is to glorify God. We're not here to, to, to worship for any other reason but to lift His name up and give Him the honor that He deserves because He is a great, great God. And a normal relationship with God is, is not enough. We saw churches crumble in COVID. Churches that, that weren't connected and were not strong in the faith and didn't have that relationship. We, we saw them crumble. And, I, and I'm not knocking them either, but we saw that happen. That's a reality. We can't rely on the pastor's relationship with God to pour over into our lives. We, we, we can't rely on that for, for us. We have to have our own personal relationship with God. We've got to seek His Word. We, we, we've got to seek His face and read His Word and, and, and ask ourselves, Lord, what do you want me to do? What is your will for my life? You know, I, when I was a kid, and I know I'm not the only one, so I'm not even going to make you raise your hands. But when I was a kid, I used to be under the impression that if the rapture came and I wasn't quite where I needed to be, when, when Granny went up, if I just grabbed her ankle, <laughs> right? This is it. I'm being honest with y'all. I'd just grab her ankle and be like, ooh, I'd take a ride. I'd like, just got to hold on tight. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm going up one way or the other, all right? But that, unfortunately, that's not how it works. And unfortunately, that your, your, your mom and dad's relationship is not going to cut it for you. Your grandmother and grandfather's relationship is not going to get you saved. 
You've got to have your own relationship with God. And maybe you're a second, third, fourth generation Pentecostal. Good for you. You've got to have your own revelation. You need, you need to be your own first generation Pentecost. You need to have that revelation for yourself. You, you can't rely on anything else that anybody else has ever done for you. You have got to get that experience for yourself. Steve Jobs once said that the people who are crazy enough to change the world are the ones that do. And <clears throat> I don't know if I've really told this story, but when I was in high school, uh, I got my, it was time to get my Letterman jacket. And, um, you know, like under your name, you can put like people put like Bible verses or like a cool, funny, like saying, right? And I put change the world. Right, that was that was me. Okay, I put change the world under my name, so it said Nance, and then change the world. And uh, I thought that was cool. My friends thought I was the dumbest person they'd ever seen. Um, I, I would I would I would walk the halls with this Letterman jacket like the three days that it was cold enough to wear it, and um, <clears throat> I'd be walking around this big thing, and they'd be like Garrett, how's that how's that going for you? Like you changed the world lately. And change, and, and you know, hey, I'm only I'm only 18, right? Or at this, yeah, I was probably 18, 17, 18. I'm like Garrett, how how'd that work out for you, man? You like change the world yet? I'm like, not today, man. Not today, but it's coming. And you know, if they could see me now, if they could see, look, I, I, I don't have to have a platform even to change the world. I can teach Bible studies. I, I can get a hold of something else that nobody else has got. I can sit at my kitchen table and I can teach somebody a Bible study and one soul at a time, I'm going to change the world. I, you ain't got to do it all at one time. I tell the youth all the time, our goal is to make it and take as many people with us as we can. All right? It doesn't take, you don't have to get 20 at a time. You just need one. And if everybody got one and that one got another one, it would be explosive growth. We would have to build a new church. It would be so many people. You just need to get one. Just need one. Change the world. You know, we've got to get crazy enough ourselves to change the world. We, we, we have to reach people in a lost and dying world. We, we have to get a little bit radical. Yeah. And I'm not talking about going bonkers. I'm not, I'm not talking about going crazy. I'm not, uh, I'm, I'm not saying that, right? But, you know, I'd rather be a nut that, that made it than, than be somebody who was normal and, and didn't. I'll just leave that out there. You can unpack that later for yourself. But I would rather be a nut and make it, right? All right, so uh, let me ask you this question, and, and you don't have to answer me again, but, you know, how, how, have you ever had a hobby, and, and you've just been so ate up with that hobby that, that you did everything in your power to be the best at it and to learn more about it? You know, I, I love fishing. And, and when I was younger, I, I tried everything I could online to read about how to be a better fisherman. I bought all the, the latest gear. Uh, I probably bankrupted my parents. I don't know. I bought all this cool stuff, right? Because I wanted to be the best fisherman I could. I, I thought one day, like, hey, man, I'm going to have like a, I'm going to have this super nice boat. It's going to be wrapped. It's got people's sponsors' names on it, right? I'm trying to figure out how to be the best at this that I can. That's how we've got to be about God. We, we've got to get so ate up. But, and, you know, and he's not even a hobby. He, he, he is the only thing that we should really care about. It, it shouldn't be a hobby for us. It should be the thing. 
you know, and maybe I'm weird. Maybe I'm the radical. I, I sit at work and I just, I think about things that I can do on Wednesday nights. And I think about things, how, how, do, how do I witness this person? How, how do I get a, a Bible study with, with so-and-so? And, and I think about that because that is really what matters. I can always find another job, although steady job is important. And being a good steward is important. And, and working good is important. All that stuff is important. But, 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 but that's how my mind works. I, I want to figure out how, how is the, the next way that I, that I can help, help enlarge his kingdom? How, how do I keep pushing the, the kingdom agenda forward? And, and that's what we've got to do. It's, it's not a hobby. But we have to get so ate up with God that we, we, we just say, Lord, I, I want to learn everything there is to learn about you. I, I want to pour over your word. I, I believe it was T.F. Tinney um, that, that said he, he wanted to understand one chapter a day. And it, it took him years to f- go through the Bible. But that was, that was his desire, was to read and fully understand one chapter of the Bible a day. And he said, you know, I might be up till midnight. He's like, but if that's what it took for me to understand that one chapter that day, he's like, that is what I did. What, what, what would it take to get there in our own walks? What, what, what would it take to say, God, I want to know everything about you? God, I, I, I want to be the best witness that I can. I want to be the best Christian that I can. How, how, how do I get, get good at being a Christian? How, how do I do these things to, to help reach people? It's more than just a hobby. Now, I told you we get to this later, right? So if, if you really know me, if you really know me, I'm, I'm I would say a bit old school. Right, I, I love old, older things. I, I, I'm not much on on the new stuff, right? So I, I love old songs. I love old preaching, and I, and the old ways, if you will. I enjoy that stuff. I, I love learning and listening to T.F. Tinney and T.W. Barnes and Bishop Billy Cole. I, I, I just crave that stuff. I, I love the old stuff. I love it so much. Now, just because these things are the old ways doesn't mean that they are outdated. Because I don't know about you, but my, my God, my God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And, and, and his word has stood the test of time. Every time you go to the word, no matter what season in your life, no matter what day it is, what year it is, there is a fresh rhema word for you. There is, there, there is nothing about the Bible that is old and outdated. He, 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 it's relevant no matter what year we crack it open. This Bible is always relevant. So you see, when we, when we started this thing, all right, I, I don't know how many people know this. I'm going to give you like a little history lesson, all right? So when we started this, we, we weren't known what was doing, we weren't known for doing what was normal, okay? We weren't, we weren't known for doing what was normal or, or socially acceptable. We were radicals. We were the radicals when we started this thing. We, we had a, a radically different view, but we also had a radically different result. And people didn't like that. But we, we, we got tomatoes thrown at us. Our, our, our church doors were locked, were, were chained up and padlocked because we were different, and that happens. But you know what? The apostles said that they counted themselves worthy to be persecuted for his name. What is it going to take for us to get that zeal and that desire in our hearts to say, God, I I don't care. 
what may came my way. One, one of my favorite, all-time favorite scriptures is, is, is found in Acts chapter 20, it's uh, 20 and 24. And, and in it, Paul is talking about, prior to it, he's talking about, he knows the persecution that he's about to face. And he says, but none of these things move me. None of these things move me. All he cared about was finishing the race. All he cared about was doing what God had called him to do. And and I'm just here to to stir y'all up, to stir something inside of y'all and say, what is it going to take? What is it going to take for me to get there? So these four men, these four men, they're climbing up to the roof all the while carrying their friend in the bed. And they get up on the roof and they start tearing the roof off this thing. I mean, literally. I mean, thatch, whatever it is, is everywhere. I don't even know what thatch is. It's everywhere, though. Whatever that is, like dried hay, I don't know. It's everywhere. All right? And they get an opening just big enough to get their friend through. And they lower him. I don't even know where they got ropes from. But you know what? They found a way. And they, they lowered him down to the feet of Jesus. And you know what happened? Jesus looks back at these men and he looks at their friend and he saw their faith. Jesus didn't look back and see a bunch of reckless guys who just ruined some man's roof. He saw somebody who was desperate. He, he saw somebody who said the normal way of getting to Jesus is not enough. It's not going to cut it. This normal approach just isn't going to get it. He saw a bunch of men whose faith was so strong that they had to push the envelope. And it was their radical faith that stirred him to say, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. And I'm going to tag on to what Pastor said this morning. You've got to have the want to. You've got to have the want to. And when he talked about that this morning, I don't know if anybody's ever heard of Alan Oggs. Alan Oggs is a wonderful man. Alan Oggs wrote a book, and I believe the book was called You've Got to Have the Want To. Alan Oggs was, was born with cerebral palsy. And, and Alan was, was not supposed to ever see. The doctor said he wouldn't ever be able to talk. And the doctor said that he would never be able to walk. But Alan Oggs became one of the most powerful preachers in our movement because he had the want to. What's holding you back? Nothing held Alan back. All of, all of, all of, all of the situations, you could, you could have, it would have been okay for Alan to give up. Alan was never supposed to walk, talk, see. None of these things were supposed to happen for Alan. It, it would have been okay. Nobody would have shamed him if Alan didn't become a preacher. But Alan had the want to. And, and, and some people even, even dubbed him the, the, the prince of preachers. He, he became so well-known. And he, he, was, he, he was, spoke at so many different seminars and, and, and evangelized so much. You've got to have the want to. And I wish somebody tonight would just get it made up in their mind that they don't want just what they've always had. That you that you just want to kick it up a notch and kick it up to the next level and, and you want to see what else God has for your life. And, and you know what the funny thing is, is that when the Pharisees and the scribes saw all this happen, okay, when they saw all this stuff happen, 
And they began to speak with themselves and they began to question Jesus. And they didn't rejoice in the fact that a miracle had been performed. They didn't rejoice in the fact that a man's sins had been forgiven and that he was able to walk. They started to doubt and think negatively. And I just pray that we would never get too set in our own ways that we would never get so complacent or so used to the normal that when there is a move of God and it breaks out, that we start to question it. You know, I heard all kinds of things about the Asbury Revival, good and bad. And I heard a lot of people question it, right? But that was a move of God. And, and, And some people saw the opportunity. There's evangelists within our organization that that took it upon themselves to drive out there because they saw the opportunity and they didn't question what God was doing. They didn't they didn't sit there and get too legalistic or try to do or, or see it in in their own light. They 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 got up in the car, they drove over there with Bible in hand, with nothing more than a Bible in, in their backpack, and they preached the Acts two thirty eight message to young men and women who were hungry for the word of God. We have to get everything behind us. That when God starts moving in these last days, and he will, there will be a great outpouring of his spirit. But we have to be ready to mobilize and not be seen as radicals. We have to be ready to get up and have a word to speak. And we have to be ready to teach somebody a Bible study. We've got to be able to walk through Acts 2, Acts 10, Acts 17. We've got to be able to do these things and teach these people because they are hungry. I read something the other day that people were talking about Gen Z, right? They're like, Gen Z doesn't want fake worship and they don't want fake religion. They want authentic religion. I, I talked to a friend of mine the other day. We had, we had breakfast and he told me he used to be in, in a certain denomination. He said, but you know, man, he's like, I just wanted something biblical. There are people who are hungry for what the Bible says happened. He's like, hey man, I I just don't want all of man's traditions anymore. He's like, you know, it's just, it became traditions that got passed down. He's like, I don't want that. And I began to explain to him what we believe because he he opened the door and I was ready. And I was like, whoo! He he looked at me, he's like, you've never been asked that question before? I'm like, no, I'm just trying to think of where to start, man. I was like, this is good. I like this. All right? I began to talk to him and, he, and everything, I gave him scripture and verse for everything that we believe. And he was like, you know, I, I like that. I, I, I like that, that that's biblical what y'all do. We, we talked about everything you could imagine, everything under the sun. Any question that you would, when somebody finds out that you're Pentecostal, every question that you typically ask, he asked me. And we were there and we sat and talked through it at, at breakfast and, and we gave him scripture and verse. And he, he enjoyed the fact that everything that we believe is in the book. And there are people that are out there in a lost and dying world who are hungry for what we have. But we can't get too complacent to sit on the pew and not go out and reach them. We have to get radical. We've got to get something deep down inside of us and say, you know, I I don't care what anybody else thinks. And, and, and you know, when, when you get to living for God and you get to doing these things that are out of the ordinary or, or, or not normal, you, you better beware. There are people who are going to question you. 
There will always be those that begin to doubt what you're doing. There will always be those that, that think you're not, that what you're doing is odd and, and it's out of place or even backwards. But greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. There is nothing odd or unnatural about what we believe in or what we are doing. I mean, look at when, when Moses sent the spies into the promised land. He let, he, he, he let, the opinion of the majority keep them from entering the promised land and, and got punished for it. We, 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 can't, we can't let what everybody else thinks keep us and hold us back from what God has for us and our potential in Him. Don't worry about what they're saying. Just worry about what God's called you to do. Worry about your own convictions, not the world's standards. The world is ever-changing. God's word is sure. It's true. It stands the test of time. It's the same. It's ever been. Hold firm to that. Focus on the guidelines that the Bible's laid out for us, not what society says is okay. And young people, you better hear me tonight. There will come a time when you are doing what is right, and all of your friends around you will think that you're weird, that think you are odd, that think you're doing something different. But you better be firmly rooted in the truth. You better be firmly rooted in the truth. The Bible tells us of a man named Shammah. Shammah was one of David's mighty men of valor. And Shammah was in a, a field of lentils. And the enemy came against him. And everybody ran off. But Shammah dug his heels into the ground in that field. And he said, I know what I am fighting for. You better dig your heels in. Listen to me. You better dig your heels in and know exactly what you believe in. And you better stand firm for it because the world does not like different. They do not like that you are set apart. But God has called us to be set apart. There is nothing wrong with believing what we believe. There is nothing wrong with dressing the way you dress. There is nothing wrong with carrying carrying yourself the way you carry yourself. There's nothing wrong with walking away when somebody tells a dirty joke. There's nothing wrong with with, with not associating yourself with bad language. There is nothing wrong with that. You better get your feet firmly rooted. And you better get a spirit of Shema about you. And say, I'm not going anywhere. This is what I believe. This is what I know to be true. And I am not going anywhere. God help me. If y'all, if y'all stand with me, I'm coming to a close. Jesus. There was a story that I heard on a podcast one time, and they were talking about this, this GoPro review. This man had reviewed a bunch of GoPros, and he was talking about the benefits of this, no, this new GoPro and how it was just okay and it was just the same as the old GoPro, just like $200 more. But he made a statement and, and it caught my eye. And the statement he made is, is there a market for excellence when everything in the world is saturated with good enough? Is there a marketplace for excellence when everything in the world is saturated with good enough? This world is saturated with things that are good enough, but you've got something better inside you. There, there's, 
There is a lot of things that you would say, well, they, they almost got it right. That's good enough for me. No, 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 no. Don't settle for anything. Don't settle for anything less than what God has for you. Don't settle for anything less than the truth. You have to fight for excellence. You have to fight for something different. You have to have the want to, to fight for something more than what we've been used to. This evening, if you, if you have it settled in your heart and you have it settled in your mind that you are ready to push beyond what's considered normal and to push to something greater, I invite you to come to the front tonight. If you've made it up in your mind that I, I, I want this church to grow, I, I, I want to see revival. I, I don't want to just see revival in, in Bangladesh. And I, I don't want to just see it in the Philippines. I don't just want to see it on, on foreign soul. I want to I see it right here in my own hometown, in my own church, in my own city and state. I want to see it here. I, I invite you to the front. If you're ready to reach out to those that are hurting in this world, I, I implore you to, to come to the front. Just ask God for it. God will help push you beyond the normal. He'll, 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 he'll help you break through whatever barrier it is that's holding you back. Jesus. God, right now, I take authority over every hindrance in your name. I take authority over every spirit of doubt, over every spirit of anxiety. You have no place here. God, I want more of you. I want to push deeper into relationship and covenant with you, oh God. Oh